0: Welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Our guest today is Mason Lieberman. Mason is a music composer, artist. Gosh, genius. Can I say that? (laughs) Um, I read your bio. Now you've been, is this right, Mason? Since you were five, you were playing the cello?
1: Uh, yes, though, if I'm totally honest, I think I'm a little better at cello now than I was back then.
2: Really? <laughs>
1: only, yeah. only a little bit. <laughs> like,
2: you, you don't say.
1: <laughs> like, I, I was pretty killing at five, but, but maybe not quite professional career.
2: Why cello? What what made you start with cello?
1: Oh, my God. Um. So this is going to sound like a ridiculous story because it kind of is. Um, when I was about three years old, my parents showed me the Disney movie Fantasia mm-hmm. and I just loved it. And the one weird thing that happened when I watched that movie, my parents couldn't understand is there was a scene. It became my favorite movie by the way. So we would watched this over and over mm-hmm. and there was one scene in the middle of the movie where Mickey is like uh, playing with a broom, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and I would always point at the screen and say broom, and my parents thought, oh, it's cute. He wants to be a janitor.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what they would say. Um, and over the years, this we kept watching it over and over and over, and they eventually noticed that I would change what I was saying. It started to become, I want a broom. Mm-hmm. To I want to play with a broom right. and eventually by the time i got to about five years old i want to play broom which they thought that's weird that's interesting uh, syntax <laughs> um so they didn't understand what it meant they couldn't figure it out um as luck would have it there is a community event sort of like a petting zoo for orchestras mm-hmm. where young kids were brought to the orchestra to kind of experience culture for the first time see what the instruments were and hopefully you know grow up and become passionate about it. It was kind of a feeder program to get people into the youth orchestras in my community. And I went to it and the second the cello section was featured, and they were like, these are the cellos.
3: Hmm.
1: Mr. First cello, play something to show the children. They uh, did something I went, it's the broom! And I like straight up shouted this in the <laughs> middle of the <laughs> And so my parents were like, oh, this little hmm. asshole wants play the cello. <laughs> and they were very confused, but they thought about it. And I'd been somehow asking for this for two years. And I was a very, very, you know, hyperactive kid. I didn't have the attention for anything. So the fact that I'd somehow had the attention to ask for this for two full years hmm. was a sign to them that, you know what, maybe we should get him a cello and see what happens. Right. And so they went on I guess whatever proto eBay was or something to that effect. They bought a cello online and the world's tiniest cello showed up like four or five weeks later on <laughs> off the internet.
2: It was an ace
1: wow. sized cello. It's legitimately a tiny bit bigger than a viola is.
2: Wow. wow. That's crazy. So besides cello, you also play uh, guitar as well, right?
1: Yep. Um that's a much more uh Standard story for my generation.
3: Mm. I
1: was 15 years old, and I bought a copy of Guitar Hero, and <laughs> I got a Guitar Hero. And eventually, I realized if I was good at Guitar Hero and I played the cello, why didn't I just play the guitar?
3: Right.
1: And it turns out that is a suitable justification for a career.
2: Yeah. Why not? <laughs>
0: now, did you take private lessons, or did you take? Were you able to take lessons through your school?
2: On
1: cello, I took lessons privately, primarily. I had, I think, a few lessons through my school, but not Mm. really. I grew up in a community where we didn't really have much in the way of music programs. There weren't very strong music programs around us. I didn't really have a orchestra, per se, until, like, middle school, high school, give or take. But, like, I took private lessons with this delightful old woman with um, very, very strong arthritis, Betty Racig, um, who would not take children who were as young as I was. She just refused and she kind of made an exception for me. And it was a constant case. Cause I was a very visual learner of her saying, do as I say, not as I do because her hands couldn't quite make the right uh, positioning anymore, wow. but I was learning how to play visually. So I was following what she was doing. So it was kind of funny for the first, like, I don't know, three or four years, I played cello very incorrectly, but I did play cello surprisingly well inside of it. Um, I was super passionate. I loved playing it. And ultimately, you know, it all got figured out and fixed up with the next teacher.
0: Right. Wow. And where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Tyler, Texas. Um, okay. It's kind of like a somewhat rural area in East Texas. Mm. Um, it's not that. All of a town, it's like a hundred thousand population, but I mean, my high school was in a city population of like 2,000, something like that.
2: Gotcha. What was the, the music scene like there as a kid?
1: Oh, what music scene? <laughs> right,
2: right. I was, yeah, because I'm not familiar with that city, so I was wondering. I know, um, you know, Austin. like we. Yeah, people run down the names of all of these big cities across the United States. And, of course, when you think of music in Texas, you think of Austin. So, um, you know. Austin
1: is a wonderful music scene. Right, right. I mean, I would probably say I think there's like two or three venues total in the city, including restaurants that play music. Wow. Um, Back then, at least. I think they've actually gotten cooler since then. But Mm. I don't live there anymore. Right. I mean, there was like a symphony orchestra that played in the East Texas area, but really it was a Dallas orchestra and they just did their concerts. They like doubled them in the Tyler area, which was wonderful because it gave me an opportunity to get to see orchestras real up in person without having to go all the way to Dallas, which back then was a two hour drive. Wow. Uh, So, you know, that was kind of the biggest musical thing we would have. And then. The university would have like uh, concerts and uh, Broadway musical, things like that, that would tour through. Usually whenever they were coming through to Dallas, they might be able to book a second night and get the uh, touring mm-hmm. companies to come out to Tyler. And it would just make sense because it was an extra gig
3: for them.
2: Wow. So, so while playing cello and guitar, I also know that you're a vocalist. So when did you start kind of exploring, um, you know, like singing?
1: Um, so I've always loved singing, but I actually didn't start singing professionally until I was 21, um, -hmm. or 22, something like that. Mm -hmm. I'd been singing as a kid, my entire childhood, I'd done like musicals and community theaters, thing like that. Um, but I'd never really taken it seriously. Um, not because I didn't think that I could so much as. I felt like cello and guitar were plenty Mm -hmm. and like those were the things I was good at, not singing. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember I was driving in my car one day singing along to, I think it was a Foo Fighters tune and just kind of like jamming out. And like, I sort of felt like a, I don't know what it was, like almost like a click or something. And like, I guess some phlegm or something was unlodged in my throat. And suddenly I could sing rock music. I was like,
3: I was never trying
1: hard enough and from that day on I could sing rock music and it was amazing like I can't emphasize enough it was legitimately like a like all of a sudden mid-song suddenly I was able to do this thing that I had not been able to do prior because before that point I'd only really ever been able to sing like more like clean pop type stuff Broadway type stuff like you
3: know traditional legit quote. right
0: so question so you what at what point um, in high school? I know you attended uh, Stephen F. Austin University. What mm-hmm. was it that you said? You know what? I want to do this for real. Like I want to do this um, for my life. I want to. I want to. You know, be an artist. I want to be able to perform and do this for a living. What? What was there? Someone in particular that inspired that, or was it just family support? What would you say?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean. I would say his name is Masahiro Sakurai. He made Super Smash Bros. And somewhere, probably before I got into cello, um, I was wildly addicted to the original Super Smash Bros. on uh, N64. Yeah. And I made a deal with myself that I was going to do music for Smash Bros. And <laughs> I didn't—I you know, didn't realize that video game composers were a job. I actually didn't know that was a job basically until the end of high school. Wow, um, but. It was just from like, you know, before I even started cello, I was always going to work on video games and I was always going to work on music. And I didn't really understand what any of that meant, but it was just kind of an understood thing because of that. I'm not sure there was really ever a specific point where I decided this is the career. It just was always what I was aiming.
2: Hmm. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because, um, realizing that's where things kind of started for you, it makes me think of how we met, you know, um, at a convention. And so we, what was that? That was probably, that was 2018 uh, when we met, if I'm not mistaken. Or was that 2017, end of 2017?
1: It was Anime USA we were both at, right? Yeah,
2: Anime USA. Uh, So it might have been the end of 2017. Like,
1: yeah, no, it was like fall, winter,
2: 2017. Yeah. And so you know, November. right. So I almost feel like, um, had I not, because with a lot of musicians, we, we meet, uh, we meet each other typically through the business. Um, usually, uh, people cross paths at, uh, live events or, uh, you know, in the studio, different things, but, um, us meeting at an anime convention, uh, kind of instantly lets me know a lot of times when I meet musicians that, it's highly likely they work in the industry in some way, shape, or form. Um, so um, I don't remember catching your performance then. I just remember us uh, having dinner that night. That's right. I didn't have a performance. Huh? So
1: I usually don't perform when I do my conventions. That's kind of the best thing about uh, what I do because I'm usually there as a guest rather than right. as a musician.
2: Right, um, which
1: right. I'm a musician, but... I usually go there and like, I do my autograph sessions. I do my like panel or two and that's done. They pay me and I'm good to go. I basically just use them. as like glorified vacation weekend. It's,
2: wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, been not a bad look.
1: Those, oh, exactly. But like what usually ends up happening when I do these is exactly what happened with us. Like I go like 90% of my time is free because I don't have to be rehearsing for this, like a gig or anything like right. that end up meeting the musicians who were there and I end up becoming friends with them because those are the people who I would want to hang out with anyway. Sure. So like it's unsurprising that we ended up meeting at a convention because I just had a ton of time. Like,
2: Right, right, right.
1: Stuff is dope.
2: Yeah. And no, I'm, like it was, it was great. Uh, I Like always, when I think of how we met, um, I always think um, of the situation where you were reading the menu, you saw mambo sauce on the menu and you were about to order it. Then I let you know, as someone from the area, it's like, yeah, you're not gonna have mumble sauce for the first time from a hotel. That's not happening. So when you come back to town, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We're we gonna make a trip, you know what I mean? To a place that more than likely is in uh, the rougher side of town and got bulletproof glass. And that's how we know it's quality. I'm gonna go ahead and get you a plate. And so uh, and and literally you came back in town that was for Magfest and that was twenty eighteen officially. So what were you doing at Magfest that time?
1: Oh my god. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, when we went down we found the Mambo wig. Right. God, that was it, it was that was really good by the way. Yes. I do
2: that. What's not the love about Mambo sauce? <laughs>
1: So good, it's one of the many things that I miss about like the DC area,
2: yeah. Man, what were you invited to MagFest for uh, when you came through that particular time? I know you come through a lot, um, but for that particular one,
1: but that one I think it was a panel, I don't actually mm. remember. Um, 2018, actually, 2018 might have just been that I was attending. That was actually my ah, first okay. time ever going to a MagFest. I don't remember if I had a panel or not. Um, I've done panel or guesty type things with them since, but, like, I think that I legitimately might have just been like, all right, I love video game music, I'm a musician, it's time to go to Mecca, let's roll, like, it, right. that's kind of the vibe at MagFest, it's sort of like the core of the video game remix world, and Absolutely. So as someone who's always been passionate about that stuff, I knew that I wanted to go at some point, so I think that may have legitimately been what happened. I don't remember. I think I had a panel, but I don't remember the panel.
0: And I was going to say, stand for our listeners who are not familiar with MAGFest, if you could give some background.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think he summed it up pretty well when he called it the, the Mecca of like, if you're a person who is a musician, uh, who's in the gaming, who wants to ultimately, uh, you know, like potentially work in the industry of uh, gaming, like, but as a musician, Um, Or you're just a person who enjoys video game music because it is music. Um, It's a great place. It's a great um, event to attend. It takes place in National Harbor, Maryland, uh, not too far from where we are right now. And so what advice would you give someone like yourself who is uh, who was inspired to go into the music industry, mainly because of their love of video game music? And now that's something that they want to pursue. They want to compose music for games. Um, So MAGFest, I feel like is a great opportunity um, for people who have that passion. So what would you advise them to do like when visiting MAGFest other than just having a great time in general? Like what like some networking tips uh, you would give them?
1: Sure thing. Um, What I would say is that the video game industry is full of like the nicest people in the world, in my experience. Mm -hmm. And if you ever just look them up and you find someone's going to be at MAGFest, there's nothing wrong with just shooting them an email. And this is especially effective if you're a student, by the way, but just saying, hey, I'm new. I would love the opportunity to take you out for coffee or something and just ask some questions about your career, learn a little bit more about the industry, because I'm really passionate about this. And I it, it would be a great pleasure to get to learn from you. In my experience, there are very few people who will ever say no to that unless Mm -hmm. they literally don't have the time to, which is totally possible. And if it is, then, you know, be cool. But like most people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I can carve out 30 minutes. I can carve out an hour. And all of a sudden, you got an exclusive masterclass from someone whose work you already respected and admired. And, you know, it's wherever you are. Um, MAGFest isn't the only event that I would say to check out. Mm -hmm. I am a huge, huge proponent of game developers conference GDC, which meets every March in San Francisco. Um, in my experience, it is kind of like the core of hiring for the video game industry. So like Mm -hmm. if you want to get hired in house um, or like, you know, inside a major company, then you go to GDC and that's kind of where that happens. Um, and it's also just, like, it is the major get-together for the video game audio industry mm-hmm. as well as the rest of the game dev industry. Like, there's Game Sound Con as well, which is also great. Um, but, like, GDC is where we host the Gang Awards or the Game Audio Network building, which is right. kind of like the video game music Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, everyone shows up and it's a lot of fun and then everyone goes and drinks. And, like, it, it's just like a... Great experience, great hang.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Um, so how old were you when you had your first film score? I see here that, um, Joe Lansdale's Christmas with the Dead that was um recorded
1: <laughs> 18 or something. Wow. wow.
0: <laughs> so, as far as your process when you're composing, you know, the art of making music, do you have a certain um Routine. routine or is there inspiration that you pull from and is it different um, composing for, for instance, for a play do you, versus a video game? Like, do you use the same practice? Well, yeah. Okay.
1: Um, for me, it's a little bit different because, um, well, you know, in some ways it's the same. It kind of depends on the uh, format, the medium that you're working with. I would say that for me, and this is different from other people, Writing for a play, and this is very simply not musical for uh, clarification, but writing for a play, writing for stage, and writing for film or TV can be somewhat similar um, in that they both are linearly consumed formats. Um, Usually what I'm kind of doing is meeting with the creative directors, whoever it is for the show, whoever it is for the uh, production for the play. And establishing a list of, you know, when we need cues, what for, what they're going to be like. And then I kind of go down my list and I create them. You know, I crank them all out, produce them, get them ready for the release, for the performance, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Video game music, in a sense, that's what you're doing too. But actually, there's a lot of additional steps of consideration because when you're creating music that could be consumed non-linearly, where you have to account for player agency or this idea that a player could do anything, they could go any direction. Um, you have to write music that can kind of account for that, that can kind of follow that action. Mm-hmm. So where in a TV show or a film, like, you know, I'm creating a stereophile, I pin it at a certain time code so that it's always right there. And, you know, when the gun fires, you're always going to hear the cymbal hit followed by the big epic action sadness cue or whatever. Like in a video game, I have to say, Oh, well, you know, when you're in this zone, this is the adventure cue that's playing. It's kind of a mid state, but if enemies appear on screen, we'll say up to two enemies, then suddenly we're going to boost the energy level and you're going to add this percussion in, but it's the same track. It just feels different. And if you're below 50% HP, maybe we're going to low pass filter you to show that you're in danger. And like, Hmm. there's all this real time stuff changing on the music that you sort of have to plan when you're accounting for video games so it's a lot of fun Hmm. um it's like scoring a 3d puzzle sometimes
0: wow and when you're composing are you um working on a keyboard or do you go straight to your guitar what's Um, your go-to instrument
2: or are you just um writing it out if i were a if i were a
1: smart person what i would have said is (laughs) well I'm basically a piano virtuoso, and I just play everything in with my uh, piano. Right. But unfortunately, that is the one instrument that I'm not uh, particularly great at. I'm okay at piano, but, you know.
3: Right.
1: I am what we refer to in the industry as a composer's pianist, which basically means I can play notes, but please don't ask me to play notes. Right. Um, (laughs) So really what ends up happening is usually I'm opening my DAW, uh, my digital audio workstation, for those who don't know, it's kind of like the Microsoft word of my industry. It's just what you use to create the thing you need to make. Mm-hmm.
3: Right.
1: Uh, and
2: what's your dog's choice?
1: Logic Pro 10. Logic 10 for Logic Go for Life. Nice. Uh, which I shouldn't even say Logic because really I should be voting for Nuendo by now, but like I'm mm. not going to get into that podcast. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> okay. uh, I. I do a lot of stuff by hand, by uh, mouse and keyboard. Um, Because generally speaking, at least for me and how I've always done things, Mm -hmm. I usually just sort of hear things in my head and I go, okay, let's recreate that. Um, So in a lot of cases, you know, I'll play in like the individual melody on my keyboard or I might click it in using MIDI data, which is kind of like computer music notes. Mm -hmm. uh, And kind of go from there and just sort of build it and produce it in the box. Or within the computer, that's the terminology we use for it.
2: So for our um, listeners, just kind of point out like some of the things you've worked on because, uh, yeah, you, you've you been busy, brother. For someone as young as you are, you've accomplished a lot already. And so I see, you know, I know you've worked on Rising of the Shield Hero. uh Super Smash Bros.
1: Vocalist on Shield Hero, cellist on Smash.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. Um, Then League of Legends. uh, You've also done stuff for The (laughs) What was that?
1: Electric Guitar on League of Legends.
2: Nice. And then uh, The Walking Dead. All three, actually. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) that's awesome. Made in Abyss. uh, Even uh, Hell's Kitchen. (laughs) Hell's
1: Kitchen. Vocals as well. Um, And I have to say my proudest moment of my career. Mm -hmm. Not really. Pretend it is. My grandparents. (laughs) Um, Definitely that Gordon Ramsay once tweeted um, from the ads that I had worked on from that particular ad campaign. Mm -hmm. And he, like, quoted one of the lyrics that I'd said. And, like, the picture was from the ad and it had the subtitle in it. And it just said, handsome narrator. And then it was, like, the line I was singing. I was like, that's me.
2: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Ramsey has tweeted about me before.
2: Right. You're That's winning. A, you're winning, <laughs> right. right.
1: Basically, as long as he doesn't see how I cook, I should be okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as far as that, um, you know, these opportunities are great. Now, do you have representation? Do you have an artist rep? Or how are folks finding you?
1: Um, I do not have an artist rep. There are a good number of agencies that I'm fairly close to and that I definitely, if I ever needed representation, I would talk to, but actually part of my educational background, um, I was part of this program back in college via Berkeley. Um, by the way, I went to Berkeley college of music out in Boston for anyone who doesn't know wonderful music school. I had time of my life. It was great fun. Um, awesome. they had a program in collaboration with Harvard called the Harvard recording artist project, which basically provided, um, like uh, legal counsel via law school uh, graduate students to low-income musicians in the Boston area, wow. and I worked with that program. I volunteered as a representative from Berkeley, and we were kind of like the music industry uh, norms people, and we kind of like would help out with the grad students who were doing the actual legal heavy work. Mm. And we were like, "Well, this is kind of what it's like in music. This is kind of you know what I would expect." Yeah, this contract seems a little weird. Here's what I think. Um, And it was a great, great experience And I feel like I picked up an absolute ton of music law, you know, copyright law, um, knowledge, wisdom, what have you, that really helped me as far as handling negotiations, handling, like booking my own work. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as how I was getting the gigs, people would just message me and say, hey, Mason, are you free to do X. Um, I've always been a pretty social guy. I try to go to these events. I try to meet as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you tell people that you do a very specific thing, then the next time they need that specific thing, they'll remember you. Right. right. So from pretty much the start of my career, the second I graduated, my first gig happened to be scoring on this web series called Ruby, which is very anime and very popular in the anime scene. Mm-hmm. So from that day on I was an anime composer and I would tell anyone who could listen, I am an anime composer. And ultimately it led to more anime composition work, right. you know, a year or so down the line, I got a message saying, Hey, would I be interested in joining the team of Beyblade Burst? And you know, mm. it snowballs over time. I met more and more people that led to more and more opportunities. And you know, you fast forward right. a few years at, suddenly we're all working with Yoko Kato on a new arrangement of cowboy bebop music. Right.
2: So yeah, which, so which leads us to, um, cowboy bebop and the real folk blues. Um, I was just, you know, on Facebook, you know what I mean? Just kind of scrolling through like most people. And then I see a post from Mason, uh, just saying, Hey, looking to do something with my friends. You know, we got time on our hands considering, uh, the current crisis going on and, uh, you know, shelter in place and all that. And I want to make some music with my friends who's interested. Um, I open up. Uh, well, I get invited to this uh, this this Facebook uh, thread that you got going on. Um, and yeah, uh, let's let's just get into it, man. Like tell us kind of walk people through like how it all came together and what you had in mind. And I what I really want to know is, did you know? what you were going to do when you said that when you posted that message on Facebook, did you already know what song you had in mind?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty sure. Okay. Um, I had like, I think three ideas of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And one of them was like a really hard funk pop version of the the bomb battlefield from super Mario 64. Mm. One of them was this, like pretty much this exact style. Like I wanted to do like a gospel infused hip hop, uh, infused remix of The Real Folk Blues. Mm. And uh, I don't even, I don't actually remember what the third idea was, but I know there was a third idea.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I was pretty sure it was going to be this one
3: specifically. right? Because
2: right.
1: like, I always kind of pick my songs based on what musicians I can get and who's available. Sure. And even from, you know, the first couple of comments, it was starting to become clear. I was like, all right, this is a crew that would be like really dope on this particular vibe. I'd mm-hmm. love to do this. This would be a ton of fun.
2: Yeah. And I think with the the song, I think the the subject matter of the song um, is very timely as well. You know, I, I feel like uh, that's part of the reason why it's resonating so much. Um, it was, I mean, the original of course was a great song, um, but you know, like us, Coming together the way we did, considering how limited uh, folks are nowadays in terms of being um, in the same space and kind of being and and everyone dealing with their own form of blues uh, to a certain extent, uh, based on uh, their quarantine situation. Um, Yeah, I I feel like it made it resonate, uh, made it resonate so much more. And it was just the impact was crazy.
0: Uh, It gave the feel of like um, (laughs) this generation's, you know, we are the world. Yeah, You had a very diverse group, you know, different backgrounds, men, women, you know, older, younger. Mm -hmm. I mean, just aesthetically, it looked very, very good.
2: Yeah, like a diverse group of folks. It's
1: it's really funny that you keep uh, that you uh, mentioned we are the world specifically Uh because I think I can probably say this at this point. There's another charity project that I actually did last year that still hasn't come out, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. They haven't announced it publicly yet. But I think I can roughly say um, it's also benefiting the anime industry in this case. Mm-hmm. And literal concept was pretty much to write the anime We Are the World, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which I, of course, then, you know, being me, I decided to, like, prod title the project while I was working at We Are the World.
2: A weave. Uh, Nice.
1: mm -hmm. Nice. I regret nothing. Like, (laughs) the fun wrote itself. It justified the project.
0: Our daughter would love that. (laughs) Right. Right. She's a self professed weave.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Well, with Stan as a dad, I can completely understand. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Buy it honestly. I remember her being Zelda head pretty young. Yes. (laughs) Right.
0: Yes. Right. Oh, my goodness.
1: but yeah, no, um, it's kind of funny that people, because I've gotten that comment a lot with this project. That, oh, it's like, we are the world of anime. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you have no idea. <laughs> 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 Just you wait until we announce it. <laughs> like,
0: and yeah. I, what I love about it too, having watched the video several times, um, is that everyone gets their moment to shine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, yeah. you know, there's not one superstar like everybody. And especially for those who are, you know, instrumentalists, you know, to finally see, you know, a saxophonist or even, you know, the, the shakers, you know what I mean? Uh, like yeah. <laughs> everybody is represented. Everybody gets their, their moment to shine, which is great.
2: Except the basis because um, yeah. uh, he didn't I'm, have his haircut.
0: <laughs> well,
1: didn't have a haircut and he told me that he didn't. I think like my real theory is that I think his wife probably told him he wasn't allowed to show up on camera without a haircut. Like that's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, He's a great guy. I mm. love it. Man, oh, he Matthew
2: kills was, it too, man.
1: Is super talented. He's played with a ton of amazing artists. Um, and like, I was sharing, I was like, can we get the video for you? He's like, I don't know, man, I'm not
3: sure.
0: I'm allowed to. <laughs> so let's, um, I know cause we jumped into it cause you, you, both you and Stan are involved in the project, but if you guys could give, um, Stan, if you could give some, um, actually Mason, if you could give some, um, background, um, Cowboy Bebop is the title. What was um, what what inspired you to do the remake, and what was the turnaround like? Because you guys did this very quickly. I mean, to yeah. be able, and not everybody was here in the states, right? You had every people were from everywhere.
1: Um, I mean, we had musicians in Tokyo. We have musicians in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Musicians all across America. I'm in LA. Sam's, you know, out in Virginia. Like. Mm-hmm we have people in all corners of the globe. Um, We have people, I think in Europe, like all over the place, literally literally all over the place. Um, And we turned this project around initial Facebook post to release, you know, on vinyl and in the Funimation YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. 45 days. Wow. That's amazing. It was very fast. And really the music was mostly done Mm -hmm. in like, Eight, give or take two, two two and a half weeks
0: yeah
2: i was gonna say it only Actually. took about two weeks to do the music part a lot of the other yeah, stuff yeah, was the like, uh
1: doing the music video properly while right. getting the consent it was really mostly just the approval process with sunrise and with automation
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, make sure that everything would come out properly and that all the right people were getting the royalties owed and that everything was going to be distributed
3: right.
2: so that
1: we could using this for charity purposes right um You know, when you're working with an IP like that, you can't do anything that would misrepresent the brand in any way. Like one of the first things that we discovered that we'd screwed up on that we needed to fix was that we commissioned this artist who's incredibly talented, Mm -hmm. Uh, shout out to Crow on Instagram. She's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, who did this wonderful, wonderful album art for us. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible and it was beautiful and it absolutely captured the spirit of franchise. And we could not use it because it was not official art from the series. Right. Wow.
0: Right. So the
1: second we went legit, we had to go all the way legit. And mm-hmm. so there's this, like, this album art that will only ever exist on the background of my phone now because we can't use it anywhere else. Right. Uh, and it's a shame because I really loved it. But, you know, yes. that's the kind of thing where so, you go, oh, you got to get approval for every little thing. You know, all of the coffee has to be accurate. You have to have the right language. You have to have all the right copyright notices.
3: Mm-hmm. Every
1: single image that you're using has to be approved by the sources. Right. Like we couldn't cropping and editing pictures unless they told us we could. Right. Otherwise, be changing the context of the original image mm-hmm. and it might not be what the artist's intended. So you know you have to be super super careful when you're doing.
0: That. Right. And this was to commemorate uh, Cowboy Bebop. They had a anniversary, right? This is.
1: There. Actually, I think it was a specific anniversary. This was literally just, we liked the song and we wanted to do it. Right. Yeah, um, goal was charity. Um, we figured out very quickly that, well, this is, you know, as you would say, just a very stacked guest list. It's just an incredible number of awesome musicians on this track. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, sorry, my cats are making a lot of noise in the background. My apologies. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs>
2: no worries.
0: No worries.
1: I saying, it's just a really stacked guest list. Just a w- lot of wonderful musicians, right? And realized that we couldn't justify selling this. Like we needed to
3: mm-hmm.
1: give this away in some way. And if we were going to sell it, that needed to be money going to charity. And of course, mm-hmm. given that's going on in the world, how everyone's feeling, COVID relief seemed very appropriate. Seemed like a very reasonable goal. Absolutely. Um, pretty quickly, Foundation-
0: And for our listeners, if you could let them know where the songs can be found and what the charity is for which charity
1: Oh sure thing I was getting right to it <laughs> um <laughs> on YouTube you can find it on the Funimation uh channel a special performance of Cowboy Bebop the real folk blues featuring Yoko Kano Steve Bloom and other special guests um it's on Bandcamp of course um you can find that under my artist name Mason Lieberman and finally, it is on basically every major storefront, your iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, Spotify, Tidal, so on and so forth. Um, so you can grab a copy wherever it's convenient to you.
0: That's awesome.
2: And it's currently number one, uh, was it, in the rock genre on uh, Amazon Japan, correct?
0: Yeah, we hit
1: uh, number one on rock in Amazon Japan Uh, We hit number six, all albums, Amazon, Japan. Awesome. Just just wild because rock isn't even really the biggest genre out -hmm. in that direction.
2: Right.
1: song getting there is kind of pretty cool, let alone for this particular reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like we've been very, very lucky. The fans have really embraced us and supported this project so incredibly.
2: Yeah, man. No, it's it's been amazing to see. I think um you know, like just looking at the feedback, um seeing how many I I remember when you first sent me the video um after uh the voice actors um added their parts and um you sent me the video link and I sat with my family and I watched it. Uh this was before it was made public. And literally, man, I was welling up. I was like, "Man, I I really like I knew it was something special, but I didn't know, um, I didn't expect it to have such a profound effect uh, on me. So I was, you know, and I'm I'm a fan of Cowboy Bebop, absolutely. But I wouldn't say, uh, like, shout out the red rapper. Like when uh, we just watched the the breakdown of his verse, um, and I was like, yeah, I'm a fan, but clearly I'm not the fan you are. So <laughs> you know what I mean, like, but.
1: I'm the fan that
2: he is. Right, um, right. There's degrees, you know what I mean? And, and you know, he's top tier. Um, you know, I'm just happy to be in the building. Um, but yeah, man, I just,
1: oh man like I just love her music. She's absolutely a huge, huge influence to me. Yeah. I wanted to pay tribute to her and, and the series was almost, it sounds silly to say, but to me, the series was ancillary because I love the series. Yeah, sure. Right. Like the music, like, that music is part of who I am today and why I became the person that I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I have to pay tribute to that.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and, and what did it feel like uh, once you found out that not only did she approve it, um, that, that she wanted to be a part of the video and even got the seatbelts involved. Like, what did, like, take me to that moment. Like, I want to know, because I remember wh- how excited I was when you told us, but oh my, like, what did it feel like oh, for you?
1: I want me to paint a picture for you. Okay. Um, so I have been communicating with Japan at this point, and they seem, Sunrise seems to be on board reasonably, but, as part of their approval process, they're going to have to show it to the original writers. That's just part of their process. Mm-hmm. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, Yoko Kano and Yuho Iwasato are going to hear music that I arranged of their work. They're right. going to hear stuff I did. Wow. I'm going to be in Yoko's inbox. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll have been in her email. That'll count. That's cool. Right. Um, I'm so excited for that, but I never thought there would be anything else. It wasn't, asking for her to get involved. We weren't asking any of it. Right. Literally getting approval to use the song for charity. Right. Signing off, do a cover so that we could release it in Japan so that we could be selling it for charity, all that stuff. Right. And like fast forward like a day or two, a few days, I radio silence after they say, okay, we're going to reach out to Yoko and to Iwasata-san." By the way, he's the lyricist just for a frame of reference.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: and I get an email through my website. My website has a contact form, and it just says, "Yoko sent you an email, real folks." And Crazy. I open the email, and in semi, say like semi Google translated English, in all likelihood, mm-hmm. um, I get a message from what turns out to be the president of Yoko's company,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and this says, "Hello." Kano San has heard your track. Thank you. She appreciates your track, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" Right. She didn't know if you would be interested in featuring the seatbelts, and I'm like, "Oh my god," like which is the band that right. she made for Cowboy people I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I'm, uh, I'm slightly aware of that."
2: <laughs> right. Right. Oh, the really?
1: <laughs> Oh my! What what an interesting thought. Um, she would like to feature maybe eight measures. If you would be interested, then please let me know, and we will try. And I was uh, like, oh my god! I don't know what that means. Like you know, right. maybe she's stems from the song, but whatever. Like she wants to be involved. That's incredible. Right. So I guess, of course. You know, anything you're willing to do, we'd be grateful for, and. By the way, um, you know, you don't have to do anything, but we're shooting a music video for this, mm-hmm. and if willing, because she's notoriously not often, uh, she doesn't do a ton of press, she doesn't do a ton of interviews, right. um, doesn't do camera. Like, if you'd be willing to show up on the thing, I think it would mean a lot to a lot of people. But obviously, you know, do what you want, send what you want, we'll make it work.
3: Right.
1: And I get here back the next night because it's basically a twenty four hour process because I'm emailing America and Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wake up, and he says, "Okay, she will send you things. It may take several days for her to prepare." And I'm like, "I still don't know what she's sending." Right. But okay, excited. <laughs> I don't want to get too hyped. Like, I I tell the band at this point, I'm like, "Guys, I I think we might be getting a special feature. I can't really talk about it too much." Mm-hmm. Um, but there might be a new mix coming because of this. You'll see. And then once I finally got the part, that's when I told the band, I was like, guys, Yoko Kano and the seatbelts are on this song right now. <laughs> like,
2: crazy. holy crap. Crazy, um, crazy, crazy. Not
1: only did she send us um, the uh, parts of all of them playing that she'd arranged, she also sent us video footage that we then synced up of everyone right. playing their part. Um, and literally they sent us an edited complete alpha that we could just slot into our video and edit from there. And it was amazing. Like, you know, yeah, really. Um, and I worked with them to make sure the credits were right. We use the exact language that they provided us. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, if there was any doubt before that we were going to be partnering with sunrise and funimation with this, yeah. the second us on and the belt signed on, I think that really ended any conversations. Very clearly. If she wants to be a part of it then right. the rest of us work together and make that. happen. And I think it's gonna happen regardless. I think they're already on board. But it certainly probably helps the faster.
0: Yeah, it sealed the deal. Yeah. Did you go do you are there anything in the works for um as far as doing performing in this live?
1: Um maybe. Yeah. Um I can't say at this time, <laughs> but I will say that I was approached by Someone about something.
0: Okay. Right. All right. right. We'll leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> what
1: I, would say is I would love to do this live. Oh, it um, would be amazing. Let's make this like a substantial feature on like regular concerts. Let's, let's throw it in there. I mean. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut, for seven minutes straight.
2: Right. Why not? <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. I'll show up. <laughs> hey, so. Dude, I. So I just wanted to before we go, um, just to kind of like the frame everything, because clearly you're a person that has done a lot. And the funny thing is we haven't even really touched on what your your actual job is. Right. Like I, and I think that's amazing that we've shared so much. You've accomplished and so many things that you're working on, including this huge thing that's happening right now with the real folk blues But on top of that, you're like senior game audio coordinator for um, Tencent. And so which is like the largest company in the world uh, for video game. Right. Uh, And so how, how, (laughs) (laughs) how are you like, like, just take me one. How did that happen? And then two, like, how are you managing to do all of this? Because I feel like, a lot of the creatives that we talk to are often, that's one of the biggest struggles is how to juggle all of this. So how did uh, you end up working with Tencent? And and just uh, like to close, just kind of take us through what it's like to be Mason and juggle all of these things and, and stay focused on your craft.
1: Sure thing. Um, so how I, sorry. Uh, so how I ended up with uh, Tencent is actually pretty simple. Um, I mentioned GDC is a great place to get hired, mm-hmm. and that's what happened. Uh, Ten Cent wow. was interviews. I ended up taking one of them, not actually thinking that I was going to take the job because I really like being a freelancer.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I decided I'd interview for it, and whatever we'd go through the process. I ended up; they seemed to like me. I did more interviews, and like a three-month interview went by. All of a sudden, just like it was mostly going slow because it was sort of on the back burner almost. Mm-hmm. And they ended up making an offer and it ended up being an offer I had to take very seriously. And so I decided, you know what, I'm taking this job. I'm going to finally go in house, work in triple A. I'd never done that prior to that point. I'd never worked in company. I'd always been a freelancer, um, outside uh, musician coming in on projects,
3: mm-hmm. but
1: I'd never worked inside a major company like that, or frankly, really any company.
2: right?
1: Uh, So it was a tremendous honor. I was really grateful. I was surprised and very uh, fortunate to see they offered me the senior tier, which was not what I was expecting. That job offer came when I was basically 25. Mm. Um, so It was very uh, shocking to get to have that. It was very appreciated. Um, And I've had a great time there. But one of the funny things, um, I can't say exactly what it is, but. Arguably, some of the most important uh, things that Tencent wants me to do, I've actually managed to accomplish while we were working on this song. Wow. Um, The largest artist that I've gotten to hire at Tencent yet happened over the last month. Wow. Um, So, you know, work has been going very well at the same time that this project has been occurring. Um, So, they certainly haven't had any issues with me also taking some time to work on this and Mm -hmm. do the charity. Right. I think they're actually pretty big on charity and on the whole making world better place thing. Right. So for that, I told my uh, supermodels, like, hey, I'm going to be uh, doing this. They're like, oh, cool, yeah. Let us know when it comes out and maybe we'll feature it on the internal newsletter. Wow. I was like, "Oh, Aw.
2: <laughs> oh,
3: Thank you.
1: Very wholesome.
3: Right. Uh, very sweet, um,
1: but yeah, I love working...
3: Uh, at Tencent.
0: They've been very good to me so far. Wow. That's awesome, man. Mason, Mr. Lieberman, thank you so, so much for sharing your your knowledge and insight and experience with us. And, um, you know, we wish you continued success. Um, I'm personally looking forward to seeing what you do next. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll definitely be in touch. But thank you so much for participating in artistry and sharing your art with us.
1: It is a true pleasure and, you know, I'm always grateful if any of your listeners ever have questions about the video music industry, about anime music industry, I'm always welcome to chat with them. They can reach out to me through my website and I would be happy to answer any questions. www.masonlieberman.com.
0: And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. This podcast has been brought to you by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Sub art and Music. We'll see you soon, but talk to you soon. Peace.